Welcome back to America's leading higher education podcast, The EdUp Experience, where we make education your business. Hosts Dr. Joe Salustio, Elizabeth Liba, and producer Elvin Freites bring you the brightest and most influential minds in higher education today. We explore innovations, ideas, and issues in higher education and beyond, and hopefully have a little fun along the way. Now let's get to it. If you're experiencing any level of marketing challenge right now, you've got to ask the hard questions and you need answers. Are you using the right mix of channels to get in front of your future students? Is your messaging personalized and delivered in a medium your audience and future students will respond to? And are you spending more time building reporting than listening in on what your students really want? All of these questions will get answered when you sign up for your free consultation with MDT Marketing. Head to mdtmarketing.com slash edup, submit your information, and talk to MDT. Don't go it alone. Find the right partner. The guys at MDT, the team in MDT is absolutely amazing. Whether your challenge is the cost of inquiries, your melt, your branding, the bad and incomplete information that come with your inquiries, whatever it is, an audit of your challenges will help your institution and it's free. mdtmarketing.com slash edup. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Edip Experience, where we make education your business, interviewing the brightest and most influential minds in higher education and beyond, having a little fun along the way. This is Dr. Joe Lucio, always with me, the amazing, outstanding, astounding Liz. Liz, how are you? I'm doing great. And I love how you say Liz. Like, I have a last name, Liz Liba. So you need to. Didn't we shed that in 2020? <laughs> I thought we shed your last name. But I need a symbol. If, if I'm going to shed my last name, I need the symbol that just represents me. So perhaps you, you are that? the symbol of <laughs> social justice, Liz. I am just a fist. Can you go on Canva and design something for me and, uh, and run you it by I me can. later when you have a chance? So. You know I can. Well, listen. Uh, before we jump into things, I want to remind everybody to hit up our website at www.edipexperience.com, which lists all of our episodes. Um, please subscribe to our. Uh, podcast into our uh, weekly uh, newsletter and uh, not newsletter, but our uh, email subscription list. And of course, we really appreciate any ratings or reviews that you give us on Apple. Liz, you know, we've got some big lofty goals to get to a uh, hundred uh, reviews, I believe is where we're a hundred ratings and 50 reviews. I, I hope our, our loyal staff, our loyal, I was going to say our loyal staff, but loyal listeners, I'm shifting from work to, uh, to play here are uh, going to support us. What do you think? I'm sure they will. I'm looking forward to big things. You did your rundown of what we've done in 2020. We had like 30,000 plus downloads, 140 plus episodes, 50 college presidents that we've interviewed. So in hundred countries that we've been listening to. hundred countries, all 50 states. Yeah. Yeah. So let's just keep it. Let's just keep it popping. Let's keep, let's get it popping. Let's keep it moving forward. Right. Well, keep, uh, speaking of somebody that keeps it popping, keeps it moving forward, we have an amazing guest for you all today. Thanks for that setup, Liz. Yeah, there you go. She's on the line right now, and her name is Claire Foster, and she is Vice President of Marketing and Public Relations with Regent University. Claire, how are you doing? Hi, Joe. Hi, Liz. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's our absolute pleasure to have you. And, you know, it's really... Um, this is a interesting times that we live in, Claire, and, and uh, given the importance 
of university communications and public relations these days. Um, you've not been short of work, I'd guess, right? It's definitely been a busy year for everybody in marketing and communications. And, um, you know, I think the key, uh, my mindset that I'm trying to really focus on is constant awareness, right? Um, the, the worst thing you can do in any pandemic or uh, a crisis scenario is to go radio silent, right? People want to be informed. They want to feel like they're involved and they're in the loop. And so uh, for our team, it's definitely been a busy year, but always trying to focus on proactive outbound communication. And, and that's definitely helped us. Okay, so here's, I'm going to hit you with the, what I think is, is just super hard question. Of course, this is not reflected at all on Regent University, but more on you as a, a public relations professional. And I, this happens with me too, in, in my institution at times, um, marketing public relations, you want it to be so proactive, right? You use the word proactive, and that's the goal, to have these proactive communications. However, marketing and communications are so dependent upon internal communications and internal updates and in the frenzy of of a pandemic and the frenzy of competition a lot of times people try to rush uh, to get communications together or get them out maybe even forget to include the marketing professional that then has to go okay wait a second what am i communicating here how has regent balanced that internal frenzy that I think every institution has felt to some degree, right? We have to communicate with students. We've got to communicate with parents and adult students and stakeholders and boards and trustees and everyone. That balance of, of proactive versus reactive communication. Mm. Yeah. So important that everybody's on the same page, right? The right hand knows what the left hand is doing. Internal communication is super important if you're going to get external commu communication just right. So I feel very fortunate that in my role, I really oversee all uh, internal and external communications for the university. Now that's a challenge, right? Uh, because it requires adoption across the board, right? You have to have partnership in every area that's really dedicated to that kind of awareness. Uh, we have a really close knit executive team. You know, we try to keep each other informed with daily and weekly updates on what's happening in our areas. And then I can kind of take that information and condense it into bite-sized units for uh, my team and, and for all of the newsletters that have to go out, the new student communication, the current student communication, alumni and, you know, fundraising communications. It, it really has to kind of span the whole gamut. So I think starting with strong internal communication, recognizing like what's happening in the university, what's going on here, then you can kind of extrapolate that to your other distribution channels, right? For uh, prospective students or the, the current students and alumni and, and even figure out what's relevant information for donors and friends of the university. So um, yeah, it's it's been a busy year. Um, but very thankful that, um, you know, we're trying to juggle a lot and, and keep things going. Now, you, do you oversee um, all of the marketing, uh, rec the marketing for recruiting new students as well as the communications for the university in general? Yes, I do. So that's tough. That's kind of a hard job, by the way. 
anybody that's doing university marketing these days is is in for it's a it's a tough job because competition is heating up right even amidst the pandemic there's just a greater need for students right now um and so the pressure's on right um that, that's it's always a, what have you done for me lately claire where uh, where are these students and so um you know it comes down to this and it's kind of the same question but a little different i mean there's a there's a balance between um, recruiting messaging, brand messaging, branding in general, um, alumni and fundraising messaging. That's a lot to balance. And I don't wish it on anyone and anybody that's not in marketing um, to then talk to a marketing professional and try to actually balance all of the people that have an interest right? You have mm -hmm. fundraising that wants donors, you have enrollment that wants students, you have administrators that maybe want their message out there. How do you find space, shelf space, given that there's a limited number of channels to get mm -hmm. all of the different messages out? I, I, and that's, you know, I don't know, there's, there's one right or wrong answer there, but it is just fascinating to me how people find the shelf space for all of the interests in, in marketing. Yeah. I think the key is prioritization, right? Because there's going to be every department that demands attention and has really important needs. But at the end of the day, my approach and our approach at Regent is really to prioritize student recruitment and retention. Because if the students aren't here, if we're not getting new students and retaining current students and graduating successful students, then there's no need for us to be at the university, right? Because that's our job. Like we, we really try to keep it very student centric and, and student focused. That said, it's a super competitive market right now. And just when you look at the higher ed landscape, there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, um, you know, for families and incoming freshmen, you know, who are now looking at where are they going to go to school, where are they going to apply, where are they going to deposit for this fall. Um, and I, I would venture to say that it's perhaps an even more difficult decision than the class of 2020 was facing, right? Because I think back last May and June timeframe in 2020, there was kind of this hope or this thought that the pandemic was going to be temporary, that it would go away over the summer, and then, you know, colleges would be able to open up in the fall and everything would be back to normal. But uh, now, knowing the new realities that we're in, and, you know, the, this, um, thankfully the vaccine is, you know, being distributed, but still we have a long ways to go. And um, just, I, I think high school students who were juniors last year, they're seniors today, and they're trying to figure out where they're going to go to college this fall. That group, I think, has, has felt frustrated by what's happening in higher education, even what's happening in their current high school environments, you know, uh, sports getting canceled, commencement and graduation activities being postponed or canceled, um, you know, just being on laptops or virtual instruction all day. Their, their student experience has shifted so much, and that has created a lot of pent-up demand for a, a college student experience that delivers on the promises of a holistic education, face-to-face -face instruction, you know, the, the student life and the activities and things that everybody wants to be a part of their student experience. 
but even so, colleges have had to shift and, and rightfully so, right? We wanna be safe, we wanna protect our students, we wanna create a healthy living and learning environment for them. But how do we you know, deliver on that promise um, in such a way that students and families who are supporting them in pursuing their education are really gonna see the value in sending a student for an on-campus experience versus an online experience. So that's that's a big challenge. Yeah, no easy answers out there. And Liz, you know, I, I don't know, uh, Claire and Liz, if you guys read this, I, I read something the other day because you're talking about the, the vaccine. It said, you know, if you're a relatively healthy person with no underlying conditions and you're, you know, below 50, essentially, that it may be 2022 summer before you get the vaccine if there are any shortages they have to up production from like 900,000 doses a day to 1.5 million and there's a question if if that can happen so liz i don't know if that includes you in that age range um but uh you know <laughs> I, you know i don't know uh, you know it, it might be a while for me yeah, at least it'll be well yeah you know, the weird thing is and this is so off topic but my husband works in addiction treatment and he's in uh, a facility a detox facility typically every day so he actually is going to be able to get the vaccine and they're offering it to spouses so i would have the opportunity to take it um but it's it's still i, I think there's still so much uncertainty and like claire uh alluded to a lot of us are still kind of wrapping our mind around the fact that this, like people are like, oh, we're gonna go back to normal. This is the kind of the new normal, but everyone was thinking, you know, this will be kind of like a blip on the radar and then we'll go back to things as before. And, and, and we're starting to kind of wrap our mind around the idea that that's not going to be at any time for the foreseeable future. And I have a question for Claire. As I was listening to you guys speak, I was, I was watching The Bachelor last night. This is so random, but why would you admit that? Why would I you don't know. That? This is so awful because I, I find myself just looking at reality TV just to kind of escape from what's happening around me. And in The Bachelor, they had, this is, Claire's probably going to be like, this is not what I'm here for. But it, they had the normal set up for The Bachelor. And then what they did is they threw a little twist and they had five new girls come in like on week three or something. So all the old girls were mad. They were like, oh, this is so unfair. How are you just going to come on the scene? And I was thinking about Regent, and just to be serious for a second, I've always respected the fact that they've been so longstanding as a school, as an institution, in the online learning atmosphere, in the sector, just being very resilient and being almost like we can look at Regent and that's a model. And I know that you probably feel the same way. Uh, Joe, from being in the industry and for working in online learning for so long. So I guess to tie it back to The Bachelor, I was wondering, Claire, as you're observing, you know, the new entrance people and, and institutions that are pontificating about online learning, institutions that are pivoting to online learning, what are some of the, the messages or what are some of the, the longstanding uh, best practices that you guys have had as far as messaging, as far as online, as far as helping consumers, the student, when we say consumer, but the student, parents, a lot of times, because I'm a parent of a college-age student, to understand the significance, the uh, the importance of online learning, uh, the, I guess, moving forward, how much online is going to be a part of our new reality. Is that something that you can maybe give us some 
strategy about or some examples or maybe some advice for, for those institutions that are like those girls on The Bachelor just coming into the house, they're, they're new on the scene and you have the people that have been <laughs> long standing in the field and they're kind of like, okay, here come these new people. Like, you know, how can we maybe help them to understand the significance of online learning? So Liz, first of all, I actually appreciate the reference to The Bachelor. Oh my goodness. I, well, Joe. I normally don't. I typically don't watch The Bachelor. But Me neither. One of my friends is actually a contestant on The Bachelor this season. Her name's Kristen. And she went home last week. But then oh. I, you know, this week, of course, you've got the new the new girls coming the in. New and so girls came in. I would say, you know, and just off topic a little bit here, but yesterday US News and World Report issued their best online programs rankings for the US. And for the ninth year in a row, Regent University is the number one best online bachelor <sighs> program. In Congratulations. Virginia. Congratulations. So. <laughs> so not off topic. That is so awesome. You're like, I like the way you guys brought that all together around absolutely. the Absolutely. <laughs> and that's like Regent is the one that gets the rose. Like you're the lo the last one standing. You get the rose. He kneels down on one knee and he's like, Will you spend the rest of your like you guys got the rose? So I'm here oh. for it. I love it. That's oh wonderful, Claire. Thank you so much for sharing that. I did not know that. We are very thankful, very humbled, and very honored, you know, nine years in a row to be the number one online bachelors in Virginia is um, just so humbling, very exciting. Um, and it really comes back to the quality of our online programs, right? Uh, we've been doing this for a very long time and 80% of our students are actually online. Um, so that said, you know, when, when it comes to developing new programs, or maybe being a newcomer to online learning and online education, you've got to remember that what students want uh, in an online program ultimately is outcomes, right? Are you going to be able to deliver an exceptional student experience, exceptional instruction online that meets their expectations, helps them get the credentials that they need, the information that they need, but really provides a transformative student experience so that they leave, they graduate from that program better than they came into it. And, you know, truly having skills, real world skills that they can take directly into the workplace and apply on day one. Our students tell us over and over again, consistently, Regent University was such a transformative experience. Uh, we really try to educate the whole person, right? Mind, body, and spirit. We realize we're dealing with Every student is a unique individual with unique experiences and a unique need for hands-on learning, real-world application. And so we really try to focus on that. Um, what are we doing at the end of the day to make them successful and hand them something practical that they can take into their career? Um, so I think that's ultimately why we're, you know, the number one in Virginia for nine years in a row. Very thankful. <laughs> Whether you're pacing short for your start goals or your summer melt needs a cool down, your challenges can be overcome with the right partner. In collaboration with the EdUp Experience, our sponsors, MDT Marketing, are offering a free marketing consultation. Head to www.mdtmarketing.com edup and start your free consultation. It's direction 
for your unique situation that will help you ramp up your marketing and enrollment efforts, and it's all for free. Head to www.mdtmarketing.com slash it up. That is so awesome. What about the messaging though, before Joe jumps in, because I know he has tons of questions and he's like the marketing guru. So I really want to hand it back to him. Mm. But how do we connect? What did you say? Mm, it is true. He is a marketing guru, but mm. how do we connect that? What you're saying, which we know, because we've worked in this sector and, and you know from, from all of your great experiences um, working with Regent, but how do we connect people and those within the general public? There's been a lot of mis, I think, misinformation and maybe some of the messaging as far as remote learning versus Zoom University and some of this negative connotation. And like you said, there's so much that can be done with online learning where it can be such a transformative experience with quality curriculum, with attention to outcomes, workplace readiness as a focus, student experience as a, as a focus, uh, the transformative nature of it. But how do we make that clear to those that are really just like, oh, it's just you log on a computer and it's just a, a Zoom university. Do you have any tips or strategies for how you guys have been able to do that in such a meaningful way in, in such a long time? I think it takes years of time, honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Regent was founded in 1978. Mm -hmm. So for 42 years, we've been working at that. And I wish I could say I had a simple checklist to follow, <laughs> step A, step B, you know, but it, there's no silver bullets when it yes. comes to messaging. You know, yes. it's, it's very much about the brand. It's about who you are and the student body that you represent. Um, but I'm a big believer in testing, right? And, mm. and digital marketing has allowed us the capability to throw out hundreds and thousands of messages and figure out what consumers respond to, because that's an ever shifting, ever changing landscape is to figure out, okay, well, just because this is the ad set that was successful last year, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be successful this year. Um, so super important to test messaging, test what works for you and scale the things that are successful. I love that. I'm going to turn it back over to Joe, but because he's, I'm sure he has a lot to say about that, but I love this idea of not getting stuck in a rut. And I think sometimes I see that at schools, even though I'm not in marketing and I don't work in those departments and the PR department and things of that nature, but as a faculty member, someone that works in social design, I know that dealing with students and, you know, how they respond to whether it's social media or YouTube, there's always something new. There's always something different. There's always a different angle. And I think sometimes in higher ed, we get stuck in, well, this is what works. And, and I, I love that you alluded to that idea and, and, and kind of focused on, drill down on the idea that we need to be able to pivot and not necessarily get stuck in just one way of doing things. Joe? Well, you know that, Claire, you said one of my magic words, which is test, you know, and I think that, um, you know, as you look at marketing professionals today, uh, uh, that's, you know, it's a science. It's as much of a science as in an art, you know, looking at scientific theory to really work through your marketing, um, your marketing messaging, you know, A-B split testing, you know, working those uh, acquisition costs, pulling them down bit by bit, increment by increment. And I think that's a loss that's lost on a lot of universities. I think that and, and you probably agree that the most successful universities, include, including Regent, you have to have a testing uh, mentality. You have to, you know, um, gosh, I, I, we test so many things all of the time with confidence indexes and, and the whole deal. And it's, it's literally like a stats class um, versus, oh, let's market, you know, because I, you know, and Claire, this is bringing to me my, my question here. There's a very big difference 
and I've talked about this in some of the publications I've written and some of the podcasts that I've done between cultivation and capture marketing, mm-hmm. right? We want students now. We want to capture the interested student at the point in time when they search. So you're talking Google and you're talking Facebook and you're talking ad spend and moving that ad spend around. I need you now. I need you to come to my university, essentially, I mean, for lack of a better way. I'm not saying it, uh, uh, you know, as soft as I think others would, but, you know, we need a student and we want to get you when you're ready. Also, at the same time, having cultivation messaging out there where it's the student that might be interested six months from now, and I've got to be in front of them a couple of times and giving them the the triggers that they might be interested in, whether it's accessibility or affordability. And that, and I always talk about balance. I think it's the third question I've asked about when it comes to balance, because it is the key issue of marketers is that balance. So how do you deal with the cultivation and capture-based marketing? And how do you test through those? Uh, and what, you know, what layup drills as basketball reference? What types of, if you could give us just one tip for our listeners, what, what is a layup drill you work through at Regent? that uh, something that you test and continually tweak for better results? Mm -hmm. I think for us, a layup drill is the media buying process, right? Measuring on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, annual basis, where the dollars were spent and what yielded results. Um, And, and, you know, being able to track a particular ad to an inquiry, down funnel to an application, accepted student, enrolled student, stuck student, graduated student, right? It's beautiful, as you said, that the scientific approach to digital marketing has really opened up Pandora's box for that kind of tracking and knowing exactly this is the dollar that I spent on this ad, which yielded this student. Um, So then you take those learnings back and inform your next buying decisions, right? Um, But I think one of the temptations when you think about cultivation, right, is that uh, the framework that Google throws out there, you know, think, do, love. Consumers have this, you know, at the top of the funnel, they're just thinking about something. The next transaction, you know, they're doing something, they're applying or they're enrolling for classes and then they love it. They're a brand advocate. They're with you. They're part of the student body. But (laughs) I think as marketers, it can be tempting to spend too much of our time on the bottom of the funnel activities because we see last click attribution. We see, okay, this is the ad that produced the click that produced the student. That doesn't necessarily mean that that ad is fully responsible for the enrollment, right? Um, So you, you have to be mindful of that. You have to be aware that there's upper funnel activities like brand advertising and you know student stories uh, testimonials tv ads the billboards you know the regional awareness and those kind of events uh that that are happening about your university all of that blends together to drive people into the funnel where they eventually think do and love but um it's it can be tempting to just focus on the bottom of the funnel when really you need to kind of have a bigger picture view and, and make sure you're not ignoring those upper cultivation activities. We're good. You know, this is, this is a, uh, you just, my blood's boiling right now. Cause I get so excited to talk about this stuff. <laughs> Liz is like, uh-oh, just uh, uh-oh, but, soapbox time. Here. You're my brother from another mother. <laughs> oh, That's I'm telling right. you. Uh, That's right. Because you know, all of the jargon that you just used, all of that, that jargon is, jargon. it's a, uh, 
you know, a lot of people don't understand what the heck yeah. you're talking about. Right. Yeah. And just but, to they, give you, but they need to understand. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we try to understand it. You know, attribution uh, modeling is very hard because mm. today, you know, think about it like this, uh, Liz. I mean, you're on Facebook and you see an ad for Regent University. Let's just right. say, for example, hypothetically. Yeah. But you're kind of like, I ain't clicking on that Facebook ad. I don't want to give my information there. So you go <laughs> to Google and you look up Regent University. And the first right. thing that Regent University gives to you, which I'm sure they do, which I haven't looked there, is a PPC. Uh, you know, they're b bidding on keywords. So you look up online degree and whatever. And there's a landing page that Regent has created that, you know, you go to and it gives you all the information that you need. But you go, you know what? Uh, I don't know if I'm ready yet. So instead, two days later, you go to the region website and you submit a, your information directly on the region website. Well, you would think that your website was so darn good it produced this right. student, but you don't know where else they've seen you. So where do you spend the money that you have in your website or on the Facebook advertisement? You would, may never know that the student saw you on these other channels. So attribution modeling is so hard, Claire. Um, and how do you, you know, how do you work through those? Uh, you know, this is, it's a hard question to answer, or even talk through, but working through spend and, and spend allocation is as much, it, it is a lot of science, but there is some gut behind it too. What about, and I want Claire to address this too, because she talks about something that we don't often talk about, which is the brand, because brand has become a big thing, right? As someone that's been more active on social media lately over the past uh, year or so, it's a lot of it is what about what people perceive? How do they create those perceptions of your brand, of your university, of your organization? How does social media play into that? How do the students play into that? Because a lot of times we may feel like, well, we're the authority. We're going to have stuff on our website, but students may be more apt to listen to other students. So how do we cultivate social media, whether it's whatever platform, IG or Facebook, or if it's YouTube, or if there's other platforms that students are using, how, how does all that play into just how you cultivate and, and bring students to your institution? Yeah, those are both great questions. You and want us to ask a third one though, before we <laughs> let you answer anything, Claire? <laughs> I'll, I'll just tackle those too. Two sides of the same coin, to be yeah. honest, right? Multi-channel attribution is a challenge because it's only as successful as the implementation, your ability to place pixels across every ad and every marketing channel that you're doing, right? In theory, there's a ton of products and software out there that, that claims to offer you full visibility on every ad that you have in the ecosphere. Um, but it's entirely contingent on your ability to implement that correctly, right? And then how do you measure things like billboards or radio ads? Um, so that, that continues to be a challenge and something that marketers are working diligently to figure out. Um, but I think the other question, you know, about brand um, is essentially what, what is your brand? It's your reputation. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room, right? So how do you protect that brand? And really the reality is you, you can't um, force that. It's, it's has to happen naturally. You've got to be very cautious and cognizant of having internal communication protocols and a sales mindset, a customer service mindset, where every touch point from admissions to advising and 
financial aid down to the professors and, and the instruction and communications that they're receiving from administration and deans, that every possible touch point that a student can have with your university, you think of it as a customer service opportunity because all of that is gonna impact your brand, right? It only takes one negative experience for the student to turn their back and say, I'm, I'm done. I, I don't wanna be a part of a, this place anymore or whatever the case may be. So there has to be that vigilant focus on customer service and doing right by your customers, right? If a student is frustrated with something or they had a bad experience, you know, an organization has to be able to come humbly to that student, admit the fault and, and try to fix it, try to do right. Um, so that's a very tedious process, but ultimately that is your brand and that's what students are gonna think about you and that will impact their decision as to whether or not they refer you to uh, their friends or family members or anybody else. Um, so it's definitely a, a constant process to protect your brand. I have another question before I let Jojo back in, because I, this is so fascinating to me. I kind of feel like this is, should be my episode here, Liz, it and that you've now be. taken over. I've taken you know? over because I have so many questions because I find this whole idea of brand and marketing and how you create that as I've become more and more active on social media, I find it really fascinating. And one question I have for you, and, and I, I'm going to ask this now because I know that Joe will get on his soapbox next, so I won't have a chance to ask my question if I don't get this out there. But I one will of the not, now I will not get on my soapbox now. That you I'm sure you will. I, I actually now I'm going to do my best to get you riled up. So we've had a few thought leaders in education that have kind of been making their predictions about, oh, schools that are small liberal arts or schools that are Christian schools or schools that serve a particular niche or have a certain um, brand in the higher education sector are going to be more likely to not make it through these unforeseen times with the pandemic, with the enrollment cliff and everything that's happening that, that we know about for those of us that work in the sector. What do you say to that? Because I, I feel like when you said that you have to come to your student humbly, it reminds me of this idea of being a Christian institution, even though you guys have to me, and it kind of reminds me of Grand Canyon that I worked for. That was like my first job teaching online was working for Grand Canyon. And they they are a Christian centered university, but they've almost surpassed that in the fact that they're so global in their reach. And I feel like you guys have the same um, marketing brand strategy of, having that Christian focus. And when you said humble, that's what made me think about this, but also being a, a school that really serves and, and has a, a servant mentality beyond that. So what do you say when you, you, when you think about uh, those pontificators that are out there, how have you guys been able to be so successful and what have you done differently? Is it that student-centered approach where you are able to humble yourself and say, okay, we're here to serve the student? What do you think sets you apart from maybe some of the smaller Christian institutions that may have a hard time, to be honest, being able to maintain and um, some of the smaller liberal arts or some of the more niche, niche schools that some of these um, doom and gloom, you know, we hear about mm -hmm. them in the media about not being able to survive these unforeseen times. Sure, sure. That's a great question. So I would submit that your niche is really valuable mm. because it's your value proposition. Your niche is what sets you apart from every other major provider in the space, right? Aside from regional um, geographical pull, what is it that sets apart any state institution from the other state institution, right? Besides rankings or 
I don't know, uh, faculty and, and different accolades and things like that. But the fact that Regent University is a Christian university is honestly one of the reasons that we've been so successful in this pandemic. Our enrollment is growing and not many colleges and universities in the United States can say that this year. Uh, we've worked very hard and, and very diligently to protect that brand. But I think so many of our students choose Regent because of our Christian foundation, right? We're super dedicated to principles of excellence, innovation, integrity, and students want, you know, a, a sense of trust and transparency and honesty, and even, you know, choosing to pursue a degree at Regent University when their future employers look at their resume and see that they have a degree from Regent University, right? There's there's a sense of the character development in that individual. Um, so we see it as a big value proposition. And, um, you know, uh, being a Christian university has given us a big boost in enrollment this year. I think that's, uh, you know, right on, right? You, you, you It's part of your identity, uh, identity, so you own it. And, you know, I, you just wonder, you know, with the social unrest as we've seen through the year, if people really um, look to faith as a, you know, as a, I don't know, a open arms, so to speak, to, to, you know, help explain some of the things that are happening and reset themselves. I know a lot of people in my family have, have gone in that direction. And, and I think that's a really important point that, um, that you're making there, Claire, is that it's, it, you know, it's about a community and, you know, really using that as a part of your value proposition, which I think identifiers, right, identifiers, university identifiers are harder to find than they used to be. Uh, everybody's online. Everybody will keep some level of online, I hope. Uh, you know, if anybody, uh, if the elasticity sort of rebounds you back to going, um, you know, like nothing ever happened, I think that's such a disadvantage. But, you know, identity and, um, you know, value proposition are muddier than they used to be because everybody's offering online classes. So how do you how do you think about ramping that up? Do you ramp up the Christian community part of your identity at Regent? Do you ramp up like you're talking about being the premier online university in the state of Virginia? Do you ramp up your global footprint as being online? How do you look at what you tweak to have that edge? Mm. A good question. So we do a lot of focus groups and a lot of student surveys to kind of pick their brains on, okay, why did you choose Regent? What brought you to Regent instead of any competitor college or university? And they tell us consistently, it is the fact that Regent offers a high quality Christ-centered education. So they want the Christian atmosphere and they also want the high quality, right? We have over 10 um, accrediting bodies that have accredited our different programs and, um, you know, they, they want that quality focus as well. But as you mentioned, you know, brand identity is definitely a big part of it. So you've got to figure out as a university, what is your brand identity? What are those brand attributes and those selling points that you can bring to the forefront and, and make that, um, what you do, right? And, and, um, I think surveying students is a good way to get at that. 
and really try to understand what are those key selling points that we can highlight in our marketing and communications. I've, I've, um, and Liz knows this, I've said, and I truly believe this to be the case, that the university leader of the future, when you look at the 21st century, what a college president looks like five, 10 years from now, has to understand digital marketing to a degree that, that maybe they have not before. And, and social media, because everything is visible. The, the waters are, like I said, it's a muddier messaging. Understanding attribution modeling informs the financial picture. And if you don't have the ins and outs and understand the ins and outs of digital marketing, it's going to be very, very difficult to run a university. No matter who you put around you, you have to understand the, the, the foundational concepts to know whether your university is positioned right in the marketplace. And, you know, that's what I think, Claire, and I'm, I'm sure you agree um, because you're, you're, you're yes. in the space right now. But how do you, you know, marketing for a lot of universities hasn't been a priority. You got away if you're the university of so-and-so, an SEC or a Big East school, and students would line up at the door, and maybe you're an elite university, when I say elite, multi-billion dollar endowments, and you, know, you get rid of 97% of the people who apply, you, know, you didn't need to do anything. People just knocked on the door. But now that's not the case. So whoever's leading better get digital marketing and positioning. What do you think about that? Mm, I agree 100%. I think higher ed in general has been slow to adopt change, right? It's it's not seen as a whole to be a super innovative industry, but uh, that needs to change. It has to change if we want to keep up with the times. You look at other industries for uh, examples of the growth mindset, right? You look at Amazon and, and Chewy and other startups who have taken um, you know, their profit and reinvested in growth what is the product on the shelf in higher education and how do you continuously innovate and uh, learn from you know changing behaviors consumer behaviors what students actually need what's valuable to them what makes them more successful in their careers and then innovate we're super uh, focused on innovation at regent and constantly tweaking revising updating our degree programs, rolling out new certificates and degree programs, because we realize it's a rapidly changing market. And if we're not bringing value to our students, you know, then why, why are we here? So ultimately want to make these students successful, want to provide them with the education, the values, the knowledge, and the skills that will help them to be successful in their career. Liz, do you have any more questions for Claire? You want to give us the, give her the final two. I think Claire needs to come back. We need to have like Claire Foster 2.0 because this was so enlightening. And I love hearing about marketing. I think sometimes with higher ed, we focus a lot on, which is nothing wrong. We focus more on the academic side or sometimes we're focusing more on, you know, uh, especially now with all of the issues around retention. Sometimes we're looking at, uh, you know, student services, but I think sometimes we don't really think so much about how important the marketing is. So I'm so glad that you were able to join us, Claire, and give us your perspectives, especially from such a leader in the higher ed sector. So we just want to wrap up, be cognizant of your time, appreciative of your time with our last couple of questions, which would be first, if there's anything we miss, anything that is happening at Regent University that you want to make sure that uh, our listeners are aware of? And also, what do you see as the future for higher education? 
Well, those are great questions, Liz. So a couple of new things happening at Regent. We just launched three new exclusive scholarship programs for on-campus students. We're offering a $10,000 Freedom Scholarship, a $4,000 Private School Scholarship, and a $4,000 Homeschool Scholarship. So folks can learn more about that at www.regent.edu. And as far as the future of higher education, it is shifting, it is changing rapidly. And as you mentioned, there's an enrollment cliff, right? We have not yet seen the full impact of the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, this is all gonna continue to play out over the coming years. And I think that we're gonna continue to see mergers and acquisitions. We're gonna continue to see uh, campus closures uh, in instances where people are not able to recover from the losses of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but again, I, I think we're going to continue to see improvements and accountability and uh, colleges really focusing on the value that they're bringing to students and uh, the, the refinement of their programs in order to make students more successful. Well, I love this conversation, uh, Claire, and uh, we have to stay connected so we can talk shop uh, and, uh, you know, go back and forth on what's happening in marketing. And we really appreciate your time. This has been, you know, we love these marketing conversations because it is really the future of higher education, because if you're not good at it, I mean, is it good at it without using technical jargon? If you're not good at marketing, you know, say la vie, it ain't going to work. Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, you're just not going to make it because you won't be found and somebody else is going to come and take that student when they're ready if you're not top of mind. And I think that's, uh, that is why it's important to know all the ins and outs. And this has been uh, amazing, Claire. Thank you so much. Claire Foster, Vice President of Marketing and Public Relations with Regent University. It's been an absolute pleasure, Claire. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, everybody, we hope you enjoyed that episode of the Edup Experience. To learn more about the Edup Experience, please visit our website at www.edupexperience.com and subscribe to our email list. Please share this podcast, head over to Apple, and please give us a rating and review. We appreciate your feedback. And of course, subscribe to the Edup Experience so you're notified when our episodes drop. Here at the Edup Experience, our goal is to make education your business. Thanks for listening.